0: Welcome to episode 213 of the Rugby League Republic podcast with your hosts, Tish and Dr. T. In this episode of the podcast, we discuss the run home to the NRL finals, NRL expansion and much more. Join us as we build a rugby league community for all. The Rugby League Republic podcast starts right now. Welcome to episode two hundred and thirteen of the Rugby League Republic podcast, where we aim to bring you the everyday fan's perspective on the greatest game of all, rugby league. This is rugby league for the people. I am your co-host, Doctor T. Joining me is Tish. Tish, are you pumped up for the run home to the finals?
1: Oh yes, Doctor T. I'm pumped up to this run home um, to like you know it feels like um, you know we're almost there. We're almost there. But uh, I've got to say, yeah, the, the games are getting more exciting and. There's a lot to play for before the end of the season. It's it's good to have an NRL competition where you've got like, you know, still got two games uh, or you know, two rounds to play and you still don't know the final makeup. So I think that's great. And um, yeah, NRL was also talking about expansion. When I heard the news I was like, How do they know? Everybody's expanding during lockdown. Now the (laughs) NRL's (laughs) trying to expand after lockdown, you know. So how about yourself then Doctor T are you doing well? Are you getting excited?
0: Uh, Look, yeah, I am. I think uh, it's going to be a a really great final series. I'm excited to see who that uh, final eighth team is (laughs) that's going to make it because we've talked a little bit in the past about uh, the different permutations and possibilities of teams that are going to make it into the final. And and we're at the, the final run home. We've only got two games left before the top eight is decided. And we've still got a few things in play. We've still not sure what the top four is going to look like entirely. We're still not sure who that uh, who that final spot uh, is going mm. to go to. We do we have had some clarity. Uh, we'll talk about this later, but we've had some clarity about um, the other teams one to seven we know that pretty much they're all guaranteed, but there's one spot and uh, the next two games are going to be absolutely crucial. So we will talk about that, no doubt. We'll deep dive into mm. it. What are our predictions for the final two games? Uh, some are going to be much easier, I think, than others. Yeah, But, um, but yeah, I'm looking yeah. forward to talking about expansion as well because I think, uh, look, uh, you know, any time we talk about expansion or, uh, you know, it's positive news for the game where we, we can get more exposure to people out there who uh, can support their own team in their own local area I think that's always a good thing because uh, I what I'm sick of seeing is uh, is stories uh, in the rugby league recent history of clubs folding you know uh, disappearing from our our uh, our national attention you uh, you know, we and, and so, you know, eventually after a, f- a few years, it, there's the the calls to bring back the Bears, bring back the Jets, all that kind of thing. And so, that's it's nice to see when expansion is on the table because it just mm. reminds us that, you know, there are plenty of people out there who uh, are demanding rugby league. So, absolutely, uh, that's absolutely. always a positive thing.
1: Yeah. And th- in this world of uncertainty, um, you know, obviously, we've got uncertainty where the finals are going to be and, you know, lockdowns and all that sort of stuff. Well, yeah, the Rugby League Republic can announce a bit of certainty, and that is, you know, we could say for certain that the Wooden Spoon is the Bulldogs this year. Mathematically impossible for them not to be the Wooden Spooners. Um, you know, with uh, two games to play, they're, uh, what, four points behind?
0: Well... Actually, no, well, yeah, no, no they're, they're not that... Eight points behind. Four four wins behind, yeah, yeah, absolutely. Four wins behind, yeah, that's it, yeah. Uh, They've had a shocking year. Two wins uh, out of 22 uh, and not looking to, yeah, and still some dramas this week as well. So uh, it just continues, unfortunately, for them. They've had a terrible year. But, um, yeah, and look at the other end of the table, there is a bit of a logjam at at eight spot um, with quite a few teams still possibly in with a chance some with better chances than others but we'll talk about that later but look shall we just launch right into the six tackles yeah let's get into it all right here we go tackle number one the news update all right quite a few interesting bits of news this week uh look we've got The usual sort of – we we should just have a standing item that that says Mm. uh, the idiot of the week.
1: Yeah. (laughs) Yeah.
0: And and the COVIDiot of this week is none other than Cronulla Sharks player Josh Dugan, who breached COVID laws twice within an hour. Um, (laughs) However, he still claims that he's innocent. So, Tish, take us through what you know, what happened exactly.
1: Yeah. Well, look, Josh Dugan, the NRL in, uh, Integrity Unit, is uh, investigating claims that, uh, you know, Josh Dugan has breached New South Wales COVID laws uh, last Friday night. So uh, the police report claims uh, from the chiefly Police uh, District that uh, he uh, they stopped his Jeep Cherokee at 11.30pm um, and, uh, you know, there were two men, obviously Dugan himself and then another person aged 30. The pair from Gymea and Alexandria, uh, were pulled over in Lithgow, 150 kilometres away from their place of residence. I believe it's five. So they were 145 kilometres lost from from where they should be. Uh, In fact, is Gymea and Alexandria, are they even five kilometres that's probably more than five kilometers, right
0: there, right? So, um, well, no, they're in they're they're in different. Uh, well, Gaimir is I think is they're in the east, but Gaimir is more well. It's right near Cronulla and Alexandria, obviously, is more near the city. So, uh, yeah, they're they're quite a fair way from each other, though.
1: <laughs> so, yeah, exactly. Well, look, um, so Josh Dugan, I don't think he's going to play in the NRL again. I don't think the Sharks are going to renew his contract after everything. Um, and look, I've just decided. Uh, I've just made a, a life decision there, Dr. T. I've just decided not to be surprised about any story I hear about Josh Dugan, no matter how outrageous it is. You know, if he is behind the, um, you know, the Donald Trump riot earlier in this in the year, I could believe that. No,
0: no. If he's the
1: reason why Luke Longley isn't in the Last Dance, I could believe <sighs> that. <laughs> You know, uh, any controversy, big or small, I-, I just, I just, I've just lost my appetite not to believe Josh Sturgeon anymore. I just, any controversy, I, uh, I feel like he's he's got to be he's got to be in it, right? Um, you know, it's like it's almost like you go, oh, we can't have all these other NRL players, uh, you know, in trouble for COVID, and I not get involved. Like, <laughs> you yeah, that that's, seems to be his attitude, yeah.
0: Tish, can I, can I ask a question? Because I'm not that familiar with this story. Uh, aren't, aren't they supposed to be in Queensland? <laughs> I, I don't understand. Are this, are they, am, am I, have I got something wrong here? I thought they were all stationed up in Queensland for the last, you know, couple of rounds, last few rounds. Are they? Isn't there a bubble up in Queensland? What's yeah, this go- look,
1: Let's say more than a month. Um, I believe the reason why the Sharks didn't... Um, Go up there. Well, the official reason was that he had some injuries that he was tending to, so he couldn't go up there initially. So he's still in New South Wales. And then when he goes up there, he'll need to quarantine, which should be at least two weeks. Um. So yeah. So the earliest game, I suppose, by the time I don't know if he's up there now or or not. But the earliest game he could play is probably round one of the finals. Which, if they make it to the finals, they will probably be eighth spot. (laughs) So. There's no point if that makes sense. For,
0: for, yeah, for yeah, uh, yeah. Look, look, I, I look. At, at this day, in this day and age, when uh, I think, let me just send a message to not just Josh Dugan, but every NRL player. Um, read the room. <laughs> because people are sick of this lockdown especially in Sydney in Greater New South Wales It's just started uh, you know last week I think or, or a couple of weeks ago I think it was last week uh, and um, you know Queensland has, has undergone some lockdown as well and Victoria's in the middle of it as well it's, but especially especially Sydney siders are just sick of of uh, being locked down and what it means, and and you know, for those of those of us who are doing the right thing, that is, uh, it's it's very much curtailing your freedoms that you you come to take for granted. Um, and this year, we've had quite a few situations where NRL players have have done silly things and and breached uh, COVID rules when they've travelled up to Queensland. Some of them have been a bit harshly treated. Let's be fair. But I think when I say read the room, I'm saying, look, harshly or not, um, you have to understand that there is a perception out there that these guys are, um, you know, arrogant and uh, and just, you know, it, or could you say elitist in a way, in the way that they're behaving. Uh, they're not really thinking about. The person on Struggle Street, the the person who is a true fan, who, uh, you know, has to give up their livelihood for a while while lockdown goes on. And here we have players who are on hundreds of thousands of dollars a year. They are still able to earn that money and they can't even follow basic rules. Uh, They think they're above the law. Uh, You know, this is, I'm sorry, this is a repeat of what we've said before uh, in relation to other stories where this has come out. And I think I think there's that phrase of the straw that broke the camel's back, where you know the next the next kind of NRL COVID idiot who uh, does even the most minor of indiscretions, it will just lead to an avalanche of anger from the 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 NRL fans because they're just sick of it, sick of it, sick of it. And uh, and this isn't just against Josh Dugan; it is just a general comment. I think. That, that NRL players in general need to kind of um, be aware. I think that people are just sick of uh, them them taking for granted the luxuries that they have and the privileges that they have to play the game that they love, keep earning the big bucks. And at the same time, uh, you know, and, and I think even then people do understand that for many of the players they've had to be apart from their families and and that's I think that's sort of still understood by a lot of people. But um, but this is just an example of, you know, why would you need to go to Lithgow <laughs> when you're supposed to be living in Gymea or Alexandria, wherever he mm. lives? Um, th- there's no need for you to do that. And so if, if a, a regular person isn't allowed to do that, neither should an NRL player. And again, uh, the message is very clear from me. Read the room, guys, because you are on, skating on thin ice in terms mm. of the people's perceptions of you. And getting your support, and the last thing you want is to turn your supporters off you and off your team, uh, especially this close to the finals. And and I think, um, yeah, it's uh, yeah. Anyway, that's my my little rant. I think they they need to really pull their heads in because it's getting really. Uh, tiresome to hear these mm. stories week after week. Uh, we literally see so many of these that, yeah, we, we could almost have a covid of the week. That's how often these things happen yeah. and how often we've talked about it. And it's kind of depressing that we we should just be focusing on the game and all the good Absolutely. stuff that we're about to be talking about rather than these silly things. So uh, Absolutely. I'll let you have the last word unless you want to move on to the next news item.
1: Well, look, I couldn't agree with you more. And, you know, the game is on a knife edge with the Queensland government uh, all the time. <laughs> about stoppages and uh none of these things ever help um so yeah look I uh, couldn't agree with you more but let's uh let's move on from this week's covidiots
0: yeah and look this is more this next news item is more of a brain explosion rather than than an outright <laughs> flouting of public health orders um what's this one about dragons winger ravalava did an absolute epic brain brain fade
1: <laughs> yeah that's right so look I've called it Kung Fu uh, fighting with no expert timing. So, uh, <laughs> <laughs> so, so. Look what happened. Look, dragons were, uh, you know, dragons were playing uh, the roosters, and dragons where Michaeli Ravelova had an all-time brain fade. Uh, when, uh, you know, his sides clashed against the roosters um, when he came up with a with a kung fu looking kick on James Tedesco. So the rooster skipper was bracing to catch a bomb when Ravalava came running out of nowhere. Uh, and leapt into the air uh, to challenge for the ball, but going in leg first and completely missing the ball. <laughs> um, and, <laughs> and, and Andrew Voss, basically, it was like, what happened there? <laughs> Rubble, running through. I've got no idea. And um, somehow uh, James Stadiska still caught the ball. Greg Alexander couldn't make sense of it all over, uh all. Uh, either, and he's the one that said, look, it looked like a Kung Fu kick, and um, <laughs> yeah, basically he was just flying into pitch, and I don't know exactly what happened, and oh then God. bizarrely, I believe a, uh, a Roost, I think the wrist is 5 tripped over in the background, and it was rolling around while all of this happened too, so yeah, so look, um, Ravalava, he's, uh, he's been a bit uh, look, he's a great player, he's a great um, finisher, but I know he was in trouble for a couple of shoulder charges, and now we've got this Kung Fu incident, do you think he'll need work on his tackling and catching technique, Doctor T?
0: Look, I think uh, I think he needs to stop taking lessons from Terry Lamb <laughs> because if those of you who remember, there was a similar incident. I don't look; I don't remember what year it was, but Terry Lamb, Bulldogs, great. Um, I, again, an, a total brain explosion. He wasn't even going for the ball. It was. He just decided to leap up and kick uh, whoever the player was uh, in front of him. It could have been. Look, I'm thinking it was Michael Speechley or someone like that. Or yeah, I'm, I'm, that's uh, for some reason that name comes up. Mm-hmm. Such an obscure reference, and I apologise that I had didn't do research on this. But I, I'm just from my memory. I'm thinking it was a Cronulla team that he was up against. It was the most bizarrest um, brain explosion you would ever see. makes no sense, right? Like, I mean, it didn't – this wasn't like uh, the example that we saw recently in the soccer where the Italian player collared um, the English player in the final um, as he was running past him because that's clearly – you know, he's trying to make a tackle and and Mm. he just, uh, you know, tackled him, you know, in a way that's illegal in soccer. That's different. This was a total brain explosion because he wasn't even trying to go and tackle the player in front of him. He no. wasn't even. It didn't make any sense. He literally just did. Uh, just leapt in the air and and double uh, double kicked him. It was kind of like if you can imagine. It was. It was. It was beautiful the way he did. It was almost like a gymnastics <laughs> routine. Yeah. Uh, he was horizontal at one point, I believe. Please look it up on YouTube. I'm sure there's a um, there's some uh, footage out there of this amazing incident. And that's what I remember when I saw this. And I thought, you know, Ravalava's got to stop talking to Terry Lamb. He's got to take <laughs> lessons from uh, from an actual uh, defensive coach, <laughs> not not for someone who, uh, you know, as, as good as he was, Terry Lamb, uh, yeah, came up with the only other brain explosion that is uh, burned into my memory. So yeah. there you go. Well, you brought that up and it just reminds me and I th- and actually I think this actually happened
1: last year, where it was the Rabbitohs and the Tigers. And Josh Reynolds, um, I think he tried to put a second kick in uh, and might have kicked um, Latrell Mitchell in the face. And um, and I think there's still, that's why when these two teams went, there's still a bit of ill feeling, <laughs> even though Josh Reynolds doesn't even play for the club anymore. So, yeah, I suppose this, um, <laughs> this idea of going um, leg first <laughs> into catching the ball... Um, you know, it's it's kind of a, a bit of a thing, right? You know, like in a, and I suppose like we've seen uh, so many seconds, uh, like you know when um, you know the fullback or the winger just you know decides not to catch it, uh, they let the ball bounce. You've seen a few second kicks go in. Um, so yeah, so I'm not, I'm <laughs> but look, I, I think conventional, uh, conventionally using the hands is probably the probably the, the proper orthodox technique. And um, yeah, it's uh, I, I just, yeah. Look, um, and I think I is one of these players that uh, obviously has lots of natural talent, but probably took you know probably started the game a bit later on in life. And um, you know, perhaps that perhaps there needs to be a bit more education on uh, from the Dragons of like, well, I, actually, you know what? I just realised it's the Dragons, right? They're the uh, they're the people that decided to do a barbecue during COVID. So maybe <laughs> education is a is a big issue at the club, right? So.
0: Well, that this is what happens when you decide to have a barbecue instead of uh, instead of doing defensive training. Uh, <laughs> how to tackle properly 101. I think you missed that. But look, uh, anyway, anyway look, yeah. let's move on. So the next news item is about uh, King Gutho. Um, what's, what's happening there? Well, this is uh, awesome. So are you a big fan, Dr. T, of the Captain's Challenge? uh look it's a good question uh i i am uh although i prefer um i prefer the referees and the bunker to just get every decision right <laughs> not just wait for <laughs> wait for um the the captains to challenge mm. the poor decisions. so i think when when you don't hear about captain's challenge you know that there's been uh a well officiated match yeah. um and the fact that the fact that we've got captain's challenges uh, making the news suggests that there's uh, there's more to be done to fix up the quality of refereeing decisions. But, um, yeah, that's my view. Um, yeah. What about you?
1: Well, yeah, look, yeah, I probably don't like it. And uh, But, look, for all those fans of the captain's challenge, you know, the captain's challenge fan club out there, um, the NRL uh, head of football flagged, so that's Graeme Anderson, they flagged an end-of-season review uh, for the intricacies of the rule around the captain challenge after an incident involving Clint Gutherson, who appeared to deliberately break down play in the first half of, uh, of Saturday's win over the Cowboys in order to give away a penalty so that he could submit a challenge. <laughs> okay. All so, oh, right, yeah, yeah, yeah. So after North Queensland winner, uh, Valentine Holmes dived on a loose pass, Gutherson wrestled with his opponent and knocked the ball From his grasp as referee, uh, Ashton Klein called held. Guslin challenged a knock-on against Holmes, but the NRL bunker instead penalised the Cowboys staff for illegally shoving the Parramatta hooker, uh, Joey Lussick, as a jostled for position. So there you go. So you know Valentine Holmes after a you know a a bit of a you know uh, you know he he has the ball and then you know he kind of did something illegal. Gutho saw that, so he deliberately. Uh, held him down to get a penalty and then, yeah, so what do you think about that? Like, is that fair play? Do you think it needs to review? Is thats that, is that going to be the, the straw that breaks the captain's challenge back? <laughs> or do we like, you know, it's it, it, yeah, like, to be honest, I, like, in my opinion, I think it's just fair play. Like, I think, um, you know, uh, t- like, you got to allow players to be a bit clever. Like, I know this is not, re- like, is it ethical or whatever? Well, the thing is, to be fair, he knew that um, the decision was wrong, right? So, um, you know, if he could held up the plan, they've got that option. I, I kind of don't see why why that's not a bad thing anyway, right? Like, so... Yeah. 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 But
0: it was... Uh, yeah, uh, but- look, I'll tell you my view. I think... And please uh, keep in mind, I'm trying to be as impartial as possible. Mm. And it's not got nothing to do with Gutho doing it. I think there's it's just the principle of it. I absolutely think it's fair um and here's here's why so when we're talking about okay so he did something deliberately so that the entire play could be reviewed uh under the auspices of a captain's challenge right Mm -hmm. so that's why he did it so he could draw attention to it and then have the play break down so that he could do something and submit the challenge now so the question that we're asking here is is it is it right that there's, this is a loophole that can be uh, exploited? It, yeah. And I think I think the other question that needs to be asked is why does a loophole exist at all? The loophole exists because a decision is made that you can only challenge when um, a play has completed, basically in one way or one way shape or form. And so I guess I guess the thing is when we ask questions about is it fair for a player to do this? If you set up the rules. If you set up decision rules around when, when you can do something, when you can submit a captain's challenge, or, or any number of other kind of similar discussions we could be having about other parts of the game, when you have a situation where the only way you can do something is if uh, X occurs, X behavior occurs, like a play uh, breaking down, then you've only got yourself to blame for setting up that loophole. <laughs> And, and, and you have to expect that people will find a way to exploit it. I mean, you see this in other games as well. Uh, in a different scenario where you've got, say, uh, you know things that are no, are known as kind of like customary things. So for instance, you know if you um, uh, I mean I guess using soccer as an example, uh, you know if if something happens and your player gets injured, uh, and, um, you know, you were the last uh, team in possession of the ball, it's customary for the opposing team once uh, play restarts to kick the ball kind of back to your side so that you can start possession in your you, – you have the ball in your possession. Now, there's no obligation legally or within the rules that the opposing team has to give you the ball back uh don't forget in just as in in all of the football games having possession of the ball is kind of critical (laughs) you know you want to keep the ball but it's customary to sort of say well you had the ball and then your player got injured so we'll give it back to you uh Mm. so that we can we can almost like restart that 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 section of the match and you know there's nothing again the loophole only exists (laughs) so but but what i'm saying is it you are not obligated to do that. If you want to, you can just say, bugger that, uh, they lost the ball. Yes, they got injured, but rules are rules. Uh, our ball now, we just take it and run with it. Um, there's nothing, you know, you can talk about the ethics of it, but in this case, the there's no, um, it's it's not like as if you're exploiting the, uh, Gato wasn't exploiting the opposition team, uh, a, a player on the opposition team being injured. It wasn't exploited. It's not an ethical decision as, as or an ethical question here. I think the question is the rules are set up so that the only way you could bring a captain's challenge into play is if this occurs. And he he, he forced that to occur, gave away a penalty. Is he the first player to give away a penalty to get what they want? No, not at all. How many times mm. do you see players giving away penalties um, when they're defending their try line, and the only way you can stop that becoming rampant is for referees to send them to the simbi for ten minutes for a professional foul. And quick, smart, you'll see them change their tune. They won't give away penalties unnecessarily, you know. And that's that's what I mean. So if if you want to shut down the loop the loophole here, you've got to come up with a way that um, either another rule that says you're not allowed to deliberately give away a penalty, which I don't think is a smart way to go because <laughs> how are you going to police that? How are you going to know if it, it was a deliberate decision of a captain to bring uh, to bring this into play? Or you find a way to close the loophole to begin with, which I think mm-hmm. is what needs to happen. So maybe what we can do is allow captains challenge at any time. Maybe. I don't know. Is that a s- silly idea? Who knows? I haven't really thought about it. but. Um, You know, certainly not – maybe this is my version of a brain fade. (laughs) But anyway, um, who who knows? But look, Hmm. all I'm saying is it's not an ethical problem, what he did. Um, I think it makes sense. He gave away the penalty. He used the rules to his advantage. Uh, There's no one really hurt from it. I mean, in a way, it's still advantage. it could have advantaged um, the opposition team if the challenge was unsuccessful, which it wasn't. So – um, yeah, I guess that's the way I look at it, that he wanted to bring a particular issue to light in that previous play. The only way around it was to shut that that down. Now, similarly, you could argue that, um, you know, when you're looking for, um, uh, I guess, here's another loophole which I believe has yet to be exploited, but I'm waiting for this to occur. Now, as we know, that let, let's just imagine... It's uh, a versus roosters. Rabbitos make a break, uh, almost length of the field try, but in doing so, there's a question of uh, of a, an obstruction, right? Uh, mm-hmm. When when the uh, when the, the the line the so the, the line break is made, uh, say close to the rabbitos line. Now in that situation, let's just say that uh, you've got Latrell Mitchell. Uh, about to kind of run it over to the black dot. Um, now, knowing that the the referee is likely to check the 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 bunker to check it uh, once he plants the ball down for the try, uh, what do you think would happen if he deliberately slows down in order to get tackled and then allows one more tackle to go and then they score on the next tackle? Is the bunker entitled to go back two tackles to rule on the obstruction in the line break to begin with? And I think the answer is no. And so I'm waiting for someone to do that to deliberately exploit the rule, knowing that uh, the you know a situation yeah. might be assessed by the bunker. Uh, correct me if I'm wrong. Am I, am I wrong there, Tish? That, that, that's correct, right? If he if he uh, s- somehow submits to a tackle or makes it look like he got run down, <laughs> and then gets run down and tackled, and then in the next ensuing play they spread it wide and score, there's no way the bunker can overrule that because it came from the tackle before, correct?
1: Yeah, that's right. Well, okay. So. Is, that, is that correct, or maybe we need to look into it? But okay. Uh, so look, look what what. Um see, so, because so, what I think is kind of an issue is the cat and mouse, right? So players <laughs> yeah. come up, players and coaches come up with with like a, a way <laughs> of doing something. So the NRL comes down hard with their new laws, right? And then and then it changes things again, right? And then and then you end up having with then you have some really crazy scenarios, right? So earlier in the year there was, um, I think, a whole set of six. And I believe it was Brisbane playing. I can't remember the actual game. And I think it happened for a couple of weeks. So, But the game I remember, I'm pretty sure it was like a Friday night game and Brisbane were playing. And what had happened was is that, um, you know, um, the play was just running around. And then all of a sudden, the referee blows the penalty, holds time. And everyone's like, oh, what's going on? And then they run all the way back to like the previous set. Because apparently on the previous set, somebody had uh, KO'd a player, head a high tackle in the background. Uh, they put the guy in the bin and then they started, they, they gave the penalty to like Brisbane, I think it was. And I was thinking, what? Like that happened like a set ago. So for certain situations, I can actually go back. I think if it's the, an injury cause or, or something like really, really heinous. Um, right, right. Yeah. Yeah. So, so I think something which is more technical, like a technical penalty, which is what a uh, – uh, usually, what an obstruction is, uh, <laughs> right? I think for those type of, si- it, they may not be able to go back. So I think that actually depends on on the type of instance, and that's that's the whole problem with everything that's going on with the rules and why it's so frustrating is because it is a cat and mouse game, and there there seems to be an uh, an urge or a need, a burning desire for the NRL uh, like organisation or the people sort of. Uh, you know, uh, I suppose overseeing the rules to like uh, just be completely perfect and to be pedantic about everything, right? To the point where it's like, okay, um, players come up with a way to try and um, use the rules to their advantage. You know, I think ex- I think I think when 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 the media calls it like exploiting, it's not really exploiting. It's 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 more using the rules to your advantage, which you do in every sport. Do you know what I mean? Like. every sport, and and that's kind of like the best plays as well, right? Like, um, you know, if you think about it, kicking it on the fifth tackle is uh, a—it's kind of a loophole, right? Because the idea is is that you get six tackles, and then uh, you—and then you got to hand the ball over. So you might as well kick it because you could get further distance on it. We don't need to start policing kicking, you know. Right, like it's just one of these things that that I I feel like they've gotten into this dangerous trap, and um, yeah, well, like and then now now I'm thinking about the captain's challenge. Um, there is that scenario that happens, which to me is like it. I feel so stupid. I actually feel embarrassed to even be a rugby league fan sometimes, where they'll do a captain's challenge, and the the team who challenges like they challenge okay, All right, we are challenging the decision of the um like the knock on. Right or something like that. Then they go up to the bunker and then the bunker like reviews it like however many times. And then they go, okay, well, um, yeah, there was no knock on, right? But then there was a uh, like something else that happened. So the other team still doesn't get the ball, but because the decision was wrong, they get to retain their challenge, right? Thinking, mm. But you didn't get the ball anyway. Like what? Like <laughs> you know, like. I'm like, how do you, how do you get to retain the, yeah, I just, or it's inconclusive, so you get to retain the, I'm like, oh man, like just, it's just too complicated for like, and like some of the stuff that, I mean, I mean, obviously, yeah, the the players can go up there, but it's like, handle the ball, like, you know, there's a ripping motion, like a ripping motion, like, mm. um. now I've ripped paper in my time. I've never ripped paper out, like the way they are, uh, rip the ball out right so I don't know if if like it, it's like a hand movement right <laughs> right it's not I, I don't necessarily believe that that's it doesn't necessarily mean that if somebody like moves their hand like that that they're actually trying to uh, rip the ball out like I, I, I mean you know I just some of the stuff is just mm. like so so technical like you know like um, and they're like you know he deliberately did not play at it it's like what do you have a lie detector? Right. Yeah, yeah, how do you getting... know
0: deliberately? Yeah, well that's Yeah. You're trying to read
1: the guy's mind here, like what is it like some sort of voodoo magic uh, that they've got like a spell where they can read people's minds or something like that. Do they have John Edwards? Um <laughs> you know, like you know talking to the dead um, yeah. to try and get like you know spiritual insight into into what's actually happening. Um, it's just, yeah, I think it's uh, it's it's gone a bit crazy, but yeah, but look, uh, but look, good on Gutho for for figuring something out um, that that's to his advantage, and you know, I think Melbourne figure out like ten of these every every day, and it's it's never a news item, right? So yeah,
0: that's <laughs> right. Fair enough. All right. <laughs> well, we yeah, let's move on. Uh, tackle number two. We are going to do the NRL round twenty three wrap. Here we go. All right. Let's go through the games uh, on round 23. Melbourne Storm 34-20 over the Gold Coast Titans. Manly 19-18, a really tight one against the mm. Canberra Raiders. Panthers 25, South Sydney 12. Cronulla 50, Tigers 20. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Knights 22-16 to over the bottom dwellers. Canterbury banks down. Parramatta Eels back on the winning circle. 32-16 over the Cowboys. Uh, the Roosters, 40-22 against the Dragons. And finally, the Broncos, 24-22 against a gallant Warriors. Tish, uh, look, obviously from my perspective, uh, I think some of the key the highlights there uh, were how close Canberra got to toppling the Manly Warringah Seagulls. I think they kind of maybe left the, uh, left the foot off the pedal a little bit. Um, the other highlight, obviously, was Cronulla absolutely demolishing the Tigers, uh, not to be expected when you've got a team that is, you know, still, uh, are they still mathematically, yes, mathematically still a chance of making the top eight if things go their way. Still difficult, uh, but, you know, disappointing. Uh, yeah. and, and let's not forget, they were both of these teams were equal on 18 points, so... What does that tell you about the uh, the discrepancy in terms of the the current uh, kind of uh, the six again rule and all that kind of thing? It's another flogging, basically. Mm. Um, and look, the Bulldogs got close to the Knights. Uh, Titans put twenty points on the Storm. I think that is probably the key um, the key news story is the fact that the Storm uh, let let down their guard a little bit, or I don't know what it was, but there's something about the way the Titans played that, uh, you know, even though obviously it was, in in the end of the day, a a big Storm win, um, it was still enough, I think, to sort of say that the Titans have shown some glimpses of what you can do to put points on the Storm. And I think the other teams in the top eight should take note of uh, the previously impenetrable defence of the Storm. Um, What are your thoughts, Tish, on What are the key highlight uh, games of this round? Yeah, well, look, obviously very disappointed to see uh, the, the Tigers uh,
1: losing to the Sharks, even though they, I think they scored the first try and looked pretty good. But then, you know, um, as per usual, their defence really kind of uh, went bad. And then when the Sharks got on top, they, they got on top. And also you saw, um, you know, you also saw, uh, I think the, uh, the Warriors actually lost to Brisbane as well, which um, kind of hurt their chances as well in terms of making it into the top eight. Um, because obviously they would be a lot or like that'd be one of the teams that are sitting uh, on um, you know nine wins uh, but they're sitting on eight wins and you've got three teams still on nine wins so i think i think those were really crucial as, as far as the ladder goes um and look i think i think storm are in a bit of a rotation at the moment uh, with the way they're sort of managing their roster um, so some of these score lines might be a little, not as I suppose comprehensive, like they lost, uh, they, they only beat Canberra by 10 points last week. Um, you know, it was a 14 point differential to the Titans, the you know, this week, and um, you know, and then so, like, you know, that they've had like 50 point floggings uh earlier in the season. So, and I think even uh, even a few weeks ago, they I remember even this, uh, you know, Manly and even the ca- uh, Cowboys were able to challenge them a bit. But it's also interesting; they haven't lost any of these games either, right? So, even despite the fact that teams can score against them, um, you know, the games get tight, Melbourne still seem to be able to, to get the win. Um, and I think the other thing that's probably very interesting in terms of the premiership race race is the Penrith Panthers because you know they they beat um, the Rabbitohs uh, quite comprehensively in a you know in a game that I thought a lot of people thought that the Rabbitohs who have won um, I think it's like eight or nine in a row. Um, felt that 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 they would win. So the fact that pa- the Panthers won that game shows that, and quite comprehensively, that they probably can challenge the Storm. Um, and I also think like although the Rabbitohs lost by 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 big margin, I also feel that you know Wayne Bennett he's kind of the master of um, timing uh, towards the finals. So mm-hmm. I think I think that I think all these teams are in a bit of a uh, – I don't think they're thinking about the week-to-week right now. I think they're thinking more about, um, you know, what's going to happen in two weeks' time uh, because, yeah, because uh, I know for the Panthers and Rabbitohs, more than likely they're going to be playing in the first week of the finals anyway. So do you show your game plan – did you sort of um, play a pretty basic standard sort of game? This round to feel out the opposition and then come back uh, in the first week of the finals and really do something quite different. That could be the case. Um, and um, you know, if we remember last year, uh, the Rabbitohs they had uh, lost uh, to the Bulldogs like the week before the grand, uh, week before the finals, and then they came out the finals absolutely red hot.
0: Mm, so <laughs> that's right. So yeah, Look so like-
1: it will be interesting. Yeah.
0: Oh look, my final point on that is uh, I agree. I think that's what the Eels are doing. They've lulled everyone into a false <laughs> sense of security by being really terrible in the last few games. Yeah, yeah. And now, and now, this is our comeback, boys. Let's do it. Let's storm home <laughs> to a top four finish and take the premiership. You know, yeah. out of this is a this is the, the last card that uh, that that Brad Arthur is is playing. The last trick that he's got up his sleeve. Yeah. To just lull everyone into thinking it's another straight sets loss out the out the finals, and no, this is our chance. So yeah, let's hope, let's hope that <laughs> yeah, that's true.
1: Yeah. Well, look, I mean, um, I know I know you're sort of jokingly saying that, but but the reality is, uh, on their best day, they could beat anybody too. Like, um, so it's interesting why they're like, I don't understand why they are the way they are right now. Like, it doesn't make sense to me. But hopefully, towards the finals, they they could also pick it up too, and um. Look, I, I can't wait for the finals. It's going to be fantastic.
0: Yeah. Oh, look, my final point. On their best day, you're right, they could beat anyone. But unfortunately, their best day was in 1986. So mm-hmm. should <laughs> we should we say, should we
1: say that, that that Parramatta, the you know the team that they need to beat is Parramatta,
0: <laughs> is themselves. That's is what, themselves. Is the weight of history behind them? <laughs> yeah, no, absolutely. <laughs> yeah. yeah okay. All right. On that note, instead of history, let's look to the future expansion. So here we go. Tackle number three, spotlight on NRL expansion. All right. So we are in the final stages of uh, finding out which of the Brisbane bids are going to be given the green light by the NRL Expansion Committee. Uh, Next Monday, they will have uh, the three bidding teams will have a last chance to impress the NRL uh, by presenting their bids. And those bids are the Dolphins, so the Redcliffe Dolphins, the Brisbane Jets and the Brisbane Firehawks, who are set to make uh, this one-hour presentation also in Brisbane next week at the uh, to the NRL expansion committee it's the last picture they get before the committee decides which bid will become the NRL's newest club Uh, let's not forget a round of meetings uh, that were meant to be held in June were put off due to the COVID-19 pandemic and several current clubs have grown concerned about expansion putting pressure on their own finances so this sort of comes at not the best time in terms of uh, uh, it's clubs struggling financially, uh, but as I said you've got to, you've got to acknowledge that there is a uh, there is a definite demand out there and and obviously we will be keen to see what happens uh, with these uh, bid presentations and which one is the most impressive. Um, let's just go through a little bit a couple of dot points uh, about the bids and then I'll open it up to you Tish, to have a chat about that and discuss which is your preferred one if you were the NRL expansion committee. Um, And so the bids are basically, well, the Dolphins, of the three bids, the Dolphins have uh, what they call an NRL-ready facility as well as a $100 million asset base, while the Firehawks hold $25 in cash reserves. The Jets have insisted they can meet a $10 million financial guarantee from the NRL if their bid is successful, despite doubts over their their financial um, muscle. The Jets would play their games out of Lang Park, uh, but target the state's Western Corridor, which is currently untapped by the NRL, despite being the rugby league heartland, with Ipswich City Council having outlined plans to build a 20,500-seat stadium in that region to support the bid. Uh, The Dolphins, on the other hand, would split games between Lang Park and Redcliffe, which is currently home to the A-League's Brisbane Rural and equipped with administration, training and business facilities, And uh, the Firehawks, which is billed as a team able to create that inner-city Brisbane NRL rivalry with the Broncos, Uh, the brainchild of the East Tigers Club, which is a club that is a feeder team to the Melbourne Storm. Now, finally, uh, it's been stated that ARL Commission Chairman Peter Volandis has refused to set a timeline on the expansion decision, but we believe that Monday's meetings are a crucial step in the bid process. So, um yeah look a lot going on there with those three teams so obviously it sounds like the Dolphins the Jets and the Firehawks they have they have their own kind of um uh I guess pros and cons uh they have got their own uh, yeah um advantages and disadvantages if the NRL was to choose any of them tish let's just Let's just put our NRL selection, uh, NRL, NRL expansion committee hat on. The so you and I are the expansion committee. They are presenting to us their bids for inclusion: Redcliffe Dolphins, Brisbane Jets, Brisbane Firehawks. Uh, what are your views on uh, on on any of those? You want to start with Redcliffe Dolphins. What are you thinking about their – What do they got going for them?
1: Well, um, I think they've got a fantastic stadium. Right, because um, they've, I think they played a couple of NRL rounds recently there at the Morton Daly Stadium, um, and it, and it's fantastic. Plus, I feel like they have the financial backing. They already have a leagues club. They already have, um, so they already have revenue. Um, uh, they already have a a particular, um, you know, yeah. So so I think I think there's a lot going from them from there, and I don't think uh, I know a lot of people are concerned about expansion because of the whole. You know, uh, we don't have enough players and stuff like that. But I think with a team like Redcliffe, it, um, I don't think it's going to be hard to attract players to that club, um, just based on location. Um, you know, on the way to the Sunshine Coast, uh, you know, it's close to the beach. It, it just makes sense. And you know, I think, um, you know, Dolphins versus, uh, Sharks. You know the the battle the, the battle of the sea animals would be fantastic to to sort of see that. So I, I think red I think that's the whole thing. And plus, you know, um, uh, yeah, I think I think along with the jets, they have that that whole idea that they've already got a fan base um, that they could build upon, which I think would be which 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 I really like about that. So uh, yeah, how about your thoughts on on uh, Redcliffe?
0: Yeah, look, I agree. I think the positives. I think you've sort of mentioned a couple of them that they've already got. An established, they're an established club with an established sort of, um, you know, fan base. Uh, they've got good facilities. They're financially probably the most stable out of all of them in terms of mm. the amount of money that they've acquired. They've got in assets. Uh, they've got a great stadium. Geographically positioned on you know the northern side, I think makes sense. Although they kind of traverse you know the inner city thing, so they can sort of play both both angles there. Um, uh, what else did you say? I think uh, the, the the mascot is brilliant. I mean, don't forget that there was a time when there was discussion about the Gold Coast franchise when it was being, or uh, well, the team when it was being established about using the Dolphins uh, mascot. Of course, they were prevented legally from doing so because of Redcliffe, because Redcliffe had uh, plans to make it into the, the top league at some point. Um, from uh, and here we are now. Basically, look from a, the the uh, the negative point of view, I guess, or, or not really a negative, but something that may may act against them is uh, potentially the name Redcliffe. I wonder whether they should have gone for a more generic name that was more pertinent to their geographical location. Uh, so you know, rather than just being another Brisbane, this and Brisbane that potentially having, you know, maybe they could have called themselves North Brisbane or something else. Uh, Redcliffe is not necessarily a known area or a geographical area. Um, and so that could work against them in terms of branding, potentially. Um, there is the, also the issue of, uh, you know, does the NRL want to put their, hang their hat on a new team, which is uh, essentially just almost like an elevation of a team from the Queensland rugby league competition, Um, You know, what does that mean for other Queensland teams that have had, also have a big fan base? You know, are they, are we entitled to see them coming up through the ranks at some point? Um, So that's, that's potentially, again, it's, it's kind of like the, the hangover of being an existing club could work against them potentially. Mm. Um, But yeah, overall, I would say Redcliffe, you know, I would say, you know, seven out of 10, pretty strong. Pretty strong uh, compared to the others, so um, yeah, there's there's a lot going for them for sure. But let's move on to so Brisbane Jets now. So this is obviously uh, uh, it's this is what they did. <laughs> they it, it used to be Ipswich Jets, but they're they're kind of expanding the name and they'll be looking to kind of be both an Ipswich and a Brisbane team. Um, Tish, what are your thoughts about that? Is this a is this a West Tigers 2.0 with a divided identity? Because I think
1: this is also called the Western Corridor bid. Um, So, yeah, look, could you say West Tigers or could you say Peter Panthers, right? Because they're going to come out with a huge uh, junior base, um, you know, and, uh, you know, so so I suppose they're going to be infringing on, um, you know, Melbourne Storm's recruitment policy. Because I believe Cooper Cronk and Cameron Smith and maybe Felix (laughs) Slater all come from this area, too. So so that kind of shows you where um where that whole Ipswich uh, is going to be so look I think look I think again it's strong because they they do have um, I think they've actually more than Redcliffe they're going to have a, a passionate audience to begin with anyway um they little brothers straight away uh, to Brisbane because I think there's already a a feeling like you know there's that and yeah so I suppose that whole hangover that you talked about isn't going to be there because they are rebranding but i just wonder um i don't have the stadium ready i suppose it's going to be ready um down the track um yeah that's the only thing uh that seems to be but i suppose yeah sharing a sharing a home ground does promote the rivalry to it in a way as well right but um uh, but like you know, the, the Brisbane Broncos jersey like matches the colour of Suncourt Stadium seats, right? So uh, you know, so I kind of yeah, I'm not I'm not sure I'm not hundred percent sure about that. But I think overall, um, yeah, I'd say I'd put the, I'd put Redcliffe above Western Corridor for the moment.
0: All right. And look, finally, the uh, the Brisbane Firehawks. So this is essentially the rebranding of the East Tigers, mm. um, uh, you know, franchise. So they've gone in knowing that Tigers is already there. Uh, East is already known as, you know, Sydney, Sydney Roosters in a way. So they've needed to rebrand. They have no choice. Um, so I guess the question there is, uh, you know, what do they have over and above the other two bids? Mm. Uh, what do you think of the name, the mascot of uh, Firehawks? I personally think it's an interesting one. I don't know if it's as it's going to resonate as much with the kids and with the, the new set of fans. Um, I, you know, it's it's I don't know what you could do with that. You, at least with the Bronco, you can have a, a bloke r- uh, racing a horse around the the oval every time they score a try, which is what they used to do when the Broncos first started. Um, you know, there's there's some question marks around that. They do have some money, but not as much as Redcliffe, as far as I understand. So they're in a better financial position, I think, than um, than than uh, the, uh, the the Jets, uh, at least, but not as good as the Dolphins. Um, you know, the, the 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 downside. One of the downsides is again the. I don't know what whether the the generic nature of the mascot is going to really connect much with uh, that local community. I don't know if they're going to if if it's a kind of um, inspiring name that's going to bring new fans in, uh, or is, is is it just going to seem like a a, a, a a mascot that was developed by a committee you know that kind of thing mm. by market research as opposed to something real that connects them to that land and to that area um so in my view i think they've got a lot going for them but they just seem it, it seems a bit uh a bit too corporate and a bit too bland and i think uh, there's no there's no surprise that they are a feeder club to the Melbourne Storm because that's you know this is uh you know as much as we we laud uh, the the Storm and the success they've had and they, they're having currently over the years um, you know how did they come up with the name Storm to be a mascot for uh, for a team you know it's it's not the kind of thing that really inspires. Uh, in terms of mascots and, and identity, so I'm. Um, although Firehawks at least is a thing, uh, you know, it's 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 up there as one of the most generic kind of names they could have come up with. So uh, unless I'm mistaken, and unless there is a, an actual um, uh, reason that it connects with. I'm hoping that, and in fact, I, I kind of would have hoped that there would have been more of an Aboriginal kind of underlying tone to some of these uh, these club names but uh, alas that's not to be so this mm. is probably a missed opportunity uh unless the firehawks is is that so i'm not really sure about that so i don't know if you if you have anything to to add to that conversation but at least from from lo- the outside looking in it's not inherently obvious that this is what they've tried to do with the firehawks name so um yeah look uh, and again even if that were the case if there is a connection to to that, um, like the Aboriginal kind of culture, then that I don't think that's enough to overcome some of the other drawbacks that they have uh, as a team. Uh, you know, and again, it's another inner city Brisbane team. Is that really what we need tactically? From the NRL and strategically from the NRL's perspective, to just uh, have a team that only has a presence in the in the inner city, as opposed to both of the other teams which will have a broader presence either north or west of Brisbane. So, um, yeah, I think uh, my view. I think this is probably uh, running three out of the th- third out of the three teams. Mm. Uh, Tish, what do you think?
1: Yeah, look, I think um, it's like when you need to make a decision that's worth. Over a certain value, you kind of need to get uh, three offers, <laughs> right. <laughs> right? So I think it's more of a governance thing that the reason why they're here more than anything. Like you know, you got to show that the tendering process has been fair, and you know that all because <laughs> I, I think the fire, Yes, always I think the Firehawks bid is um, is sort of uh, making up the numbers. I I was trying to work this out as uh, you know as, as we were thinking about this. I don't think they actually pass. Even the chanting, uh, you know, like uh, test, like, you know, you could do, you know, you could do dolphins, dolphins. You could do let's go jets, let's go. But then firehawks. It's, it's a bit, it's a, like too many <laughs> syllables for for the fans uh, to get behind. So, yeah, so I, I don't know how the NRL could, could make a decision to go for the firehawks unless I have incredible amounts of money. Um, for a team that will have to rebrand, build a supporter base, compete with the richest club in the NRL in the same, same sort of area without any sort of, uh, I suppose, uh, you know, unique, you know, selling point to advertisers that don't seem to have any of that. So I don't, I don't know how this could be possible, um, so I, I, I gonna, yeah, so I think it's going to – yes, I think, yeah, that they're, they're running third. You know, I, I know we've heard rumours that p- perhaps the expansion is going to be delayed, um, and I know they're talking about that because of the, you know, players, you know, amount of players and so forth. Um, you know, the interesting thing that I think a lot of people are forgetting, which is a, a very interesting part, is that um at the moment, you know, Queensland, the state of Queensland, is actually the sporting – State of the world, that state of Australia, right? Like, um, all three Origins were played uh, this year. Last year's AFL grand final were played. Plus, they have the Olympics coming up in 2032. So, I think it's a really competitive market. I don't know if the NRL shouldn't just think about actually expanding to two teams. I think, because uh, I don't think 17 makes sense, I think 18 makes a bit more sense. I know that they were talking about a second team in New Zealand, but we've seen how logistically a nightmare it is. I'm just wondering whether they should um, actually consider putting two in there, considering the amount of, I suppose, uh, new activity there will be in in, in Brisbane uh, to expand, like to build more sporting facilities, um, which can be used um, as as you know for rugby league later on, and and the fact that you know it's going to have more of a global focus, and so more and more global advertisers would probably want to be a part of anything happening in Brisbane. Um, I'm just wondering whether it's not an opportunity to actually think about, um, you know, uh, saying yes to two bids or perhaps really pushing for another team to move up there. Because I think, um, I think it'd be a mistake if we don't capitalize on um, the fact the Olympics are happening and there's so much energy around Queensland at the moment. And, you know, like you know, the COVID situation is going to be around for a while. Uh, Queensland seem to be, do, be doing a good job in containing it more than other states, um, and they're one of the states that have a bigger population too, right? Um, comparatively to like the Western Australians and South Australians and all that. So, yeah, I, I don't know what you think about that, Doctor. Say whether maybe, maybe, maybe they should pick both the Jets and the, uh, you know, and the Dolphins. Um, do you think that's even a possibility?
0: Uh, look, I don't think two, you don't think two you teams know. in the same city is going to work. I think when we were talking about that second team, I think a lot of people were saying it either had to be Perth or another New Zealand team to, to establish a bit of a New Zealand rivalry. So I don't think they'll go for two Brisbane teams. I think what they'll do is they'll think, okay, if we're going to expand, we've got to give it to the best possible, uh, the, the team with the best possible chance of success in the long run. Um, and they have to balance, I think, the current financial situation and what they give you currently versus what the future is going to bring. And it's always risky because uh, predicting the future is not necessarily what, what people are good at. As we've seen with COVID, it can, all the best laid plans for what was going to happen this year and last year have been thrown out the window. So, um, you know, sometimes you do need to just go for the team that's going to give you... Uh, the the for which there is the biggest demand currently, so that you can you know service that demand and make sure that people are happy and that 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 sort of thing. Um, look, I think overall, you know, in my mind, the dolphins present the best option. Mm-hmm. Um, potentially, if there is any issue with their the name Redcliffe, they might sort of suggest to them. You know, a conditional provisional license will give you the dolphin. We want the dolphins in. We want mm. everything you've got, but we need you to change your name so that it can be more appealing marketing-wise, more broadly, beyond, you know, whatever, um, that local market, that kind of thing. Morton so- Bay Dolphins or something? Well, maybe not. I mean, even then, even I'm not sure whether bigger, it's going yeah. to be an issue. You know, it might. Considering we've got teams like Cronulla and all these other kind of locally based teams, it it is really it wouldn't be right, I think, for them to suggest that and to require that. So, um, but yeah, when if you look at it, but Ipswich is definitely, I think, also it's going to be neck and neck. I mean, I'm not really sure of the ins and outs of the Ipswich bid. It, it could be that the plans for them to have their own stadium. The plans for them to have, at least to start off with having a presence both in Ipswich and also out of Lang Park means that they could sort of encourage, um, you know, uh, it, it just gets the immediate success on the table. And then with a view to kind of uh, travelling out west and, and establishing their home in future, Um one wonders if you you should just ask them to do <laughs> that straight away and just establish at home there as soon as possible. But obviously, they're probably the 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 stadium isn't quite ready yet. So on that basis, that's what I'm saying. I think uh, Red Cliff has probably got the edge on them. Um, but yeah, that's that's my views. I think. Look, I think in, in at the end of the day, I think we're pretty clear that Dolphins and Jets are probably the two most uh, competitive bids here. And there's there's equal opportunity i guess for either of those to be selected um but yeah looking forward to see what happens because i think look at the end of the day we've been crying out for a new a bit of an injection of something new in the game as opposed to uh you know new rules like six again (laughs) which we're sick of we'd rather see new clubs but Mm. with uh, rules that make sense to us so um yeah do you have a, a final word before we move on to the next tackle
1: no, look, I, I, I'm with you. Let's let's um, let's get some expansion happening. I think I think we just have to bite the bullet and do it and and uh, figure it out as we go along.
0: You know. All right. Um, let's move on to tackle number four, and uh, we're going to talk about the run home. Uh, is that what we're doing? No, we're t- we're talking. Oh, first we're talking the top four. So tackle number four, top four. Here we go. All right. We did say we're going to talk about the final, the run home, and we're going to split it into talking about the top four and then the top eight. So there is, look, the top four is very interesting because we've got the Storm at the moment. We've got the Storm on 42 points, Panthers on 40, the Rabbitohs on 38, and the Roosters on 32, and then uh, Seagulls and Eels on 30 points. And realistically, uh, it's, it's... It really, uh, well, the Rabbitohs mathematically could still, well, mathematically, I'm not sure if this is very unlikely uh, to win the minor premiership, but they could move into second place if they win their next two games. And uh, the Panthers, uh, within a a shot at at the minor premiership, uh, likely to to threaten as well. Um, Let's just have a look at, the matches that are remaining. So we've got um, the storm is going to be playing uh, this weekend. They're going to be playing the eels and then they're going to be playing. Uh, who are they playing? Mm-hmm. The sharks for their final match. And I, look, I would say it's very likely that they'll win both of those matches. So in my view, without even looking at the fact that the Panthers are going to be playing uh, the tigers and then the eels, um, in the last two games or the fact that the Rabbitohs are going to be playing the Roosters and then the Dragons, I think it's fair to say that I can't see the Storm dropping either of those matches. Yeah. Um, and so first of all, let's just or let's just preemptively declare the Storm the minor premiers, shall we? <laughs> Is that what we're going to do?
1: Yeah, what do you think, I, Tish? Look, I, th- I think they've pretty much got it sewn
0: up. Yeah. Um,
1: so I don't think there's too much of an issue. I think even if they do end up winning, because um, you've got to remember that the differential is is ahead by <laughs> almost 200 point or 150 ish points, right, against the Panthers. Yeah. So even if they, uh, yeah, even if they drop one and the Panthers win both, the Panthers. Do need to make
0: up. That's right, yeah. And each win so by seventy
1: five points each, so I don't think so I don't think it's going to happen. Basically, it's
0: very unlikely. Yeah, mm. um, although having said that, they are going to play the Tigers <laughs> this week, so you never know. <laughs> they might get off to a good start, so you might change your mind next week. Mm. Um, look, that's that's that. But then when we look at the the remainder, so I guess the Rabbitohs are pretty much guaranteed. I would think of coming third. So. I think we'll, we'll see the Panthers play the Rabbitohs in that first week of the finals. Yeah, the I Storm. Think that's,
1: I don't think I don't think either club cares if they come second or third because it, it, it this the scenario doesn't change for either of them.
0: No, no, and I think you're right about if the minor premiership was more closely uh, close in terms of the points differential that the Panthers would be in with a shot, but they're not really, so that's very unlikely. So really, the attention should turn to who's going to come fourth, who's going to play the Storm in that first week. And at the moment, we've got the Roosters sitting there on 32, Seagulls and Eels on 30 each. If we look at the matches that they're going to be playing, uh, so apologies, it's going to seem repetitive, but it's important for us to think carefully about what's coming up for the Roosters. So the Roosters' run home is the Rabbitohs this weekend on a Friday night, and then the the, uh, the Knights. The Knights. The, Sorry, know no, no, the, the Raiders, the Raiders, sorry. the Raiders, the Raiders in the final match. So look, two tough matches because we're talking about, you know, traditional rivals, Rabbitohs, and then the the team that they beat a couple of years ago in the grand final. Um, and so, yeah, it'll be very interesting to see uh, how that plays out. The Raiders will have everything to play for as well as they're aiming for that top eight spot, which we'll talk about in a minute. But um, so, yeah, that's that's the Roosters. Uh, then you, you switch to – so let's not forget, the Roosters can afford to drop a match and still be in with a chance of coming fourth. Uh, Manly, however, are playing the Bulldogs this week and, and then, then the, the Cowboys. Cowboys next week. I think it's fair to say those are two much easier matches and not only much easier, it also gives them an opportunity, especially with the Bulldogs, to rack up a, a huge for and against. Now, they're already in front of both the Roosters and the Eels in terms of for and against. So the way things pan out, if the Eel, the Seagulls win both of their matches and the Roosters drop only one, they'll be on equal points, but because of their massive points differential um, uh, advantage, the Seagulls would come in to fourth spot. Then you turn your attention to the Eels. So the Eels have, as I said, probably the toughest of them all, the Storm and the Panthers. Um, I think it's fair to say that, you know, they may or may not drop either or both of those matches, which means that they will probably just miss out. So in my mind, looking at all this, correct me if I'm wrong, Tisho, if you have a different opinion, but it sounds to me that the Sea Eagles have the, f- the fourth spot all lined up as long as they don't drop a match. Now, I don't know... I don't think the Bulldogs will will challenge them, but they may potentially have some complacency and maybe the Cowboys might have something to say about that. So look, Cowboys could do the Roosters and the Eels a favor and and uh and uh likewise the Bulldogs, but I find it very, very unlikely. Uh, Tish, what are your views on that that we're thinking possibly the Manly Seagulls will get that fourth spot? Yeah, look,
1: I I, I would agree. I think the um yeah, I think the Bulldogs game they'll have to win, and I think so. I think also like uh, if they look at it from from um, you know like this week, the oh, the Roosters will play. Yeah, the Roosters will play before. Yeah, so the Roosters play on Friday night, right? So um, they will know on Saturday uh, that they could jump into the full spot, right? Or yeah, on Sunday, right? Before they before they even lace the boots on Sunday, they'll know that, you know, how crucial this game is going to be for them. So I think from that point of view, they will, um, you know, I think that's going to hold them in good stead. Um, yeah, look, the Eels, again, they're very capable uh, of, you know, but look, <laughs> yeah, like I look at it, the odds here, they're like $9 to beat the Storm, which, you know, I, I believe they're one of the teams that actually beat the Storm early this year, right? So, um, yeah, so it, it's, <laughs> yeah, it's crazy how, how how everybody is sort of turned on on Parramatta and, and look again um you know the clash against the Panthers yeah I mean like earlier in the season that was a blockbuster game now it's kind of sort of fizzled out a little bit but even um they're winnable games but they're not going to be easy by any means right and they'll have to play their best and and could that also mean um you know like winning winning uh three games is what you'll need to do to get to the grand final. Um, and then so now you're going to put an extra two games in so you're going to have to I don't know if if the NRL competition can uh, like particularly around this time of the year you know like having that energy to be like week in week out uh, for five weeks uh, and being up all time you know winning these two games and turning fourth might actually hurt them a little bit the eels you know like so um, in terms of like what damage they might do like playing these big games before they get into the finals so yeah, mm. I, th- I think it's safe to say that they're probably going to be fifth or, or or sixth probably is probably where they're going to play and they're probably more than likely going to play the Knights because I think the Knights can't go anywhere, right? So, um, yeah, and then you've got the Roosters in, yeah. So I, th- I think the Seagulls are, for me, are there because I don't know if the Roosters
0: can beat the Rabbitohs right at the moment. Fair enough. Look, uh, let's move on to the next uh, one, which is even more interesting. So tackle number five, we're going to look at completion of the top eight, the run home for the top eight contenders. Here we go. All right. So as we look towards the top eight, uh, the makeup of the top eight. So I think it's fair to say we were just saying if the Seagulls get that coveted fourth spot and a second chance in week uh, two uh, of the finals, they'll be up against Storm in week one. Um, so possible, who knows what's going to happen. The Storm could possibly be ambushed by the, the Seagulls who who uh, gave them a good fright a couple of weeks ago. This means that we'll have the Roosters and the Eels uh, as either teams five or six, interchangeable, doesn't really matter. Um, and the knights are on uh, currently on 24 points. They cannot overtake the eels, so they will definitely be, and they cannot be overtaken. Or actually, no, so my mistake. If they lose both their matches, um, their upcoming matches, they could be overtaken uh, in seventh spot. In fact, they may even miss out entirely if I'm not mistaken. So the Knights are still uh, possibly, even though they have a four-point advantage, they still could miss out if they lose both of their matches. So their matches coming up are quite critical then. So they, they are against, who's the first one, the Titans, who are equally uh, kind of uh, favoured, I guess, to, uh, to, to almost make the finals. So the Knights and the Titans will be an interesting one and then the final final match uh, no not the final final match but they they're then playing the broncos now bronco so titans followed by broncos tish what are the chances that the knights are going to drop both of those matches
1: i think very unlikely
0: very unlikely all right so let's let's just uh, let's just take that as it's likely that they will they will sneak in there uh and uh and and have enough clearance from the eighth position, so let's just say the probability is quite high. The knights are going to be seventh. Well, that means I, I, that we. I we've,
1: suppose maybe the Titans might be tight because the Titans are still in the race. But yeah, uh, but yeah, but, but, but the I
0: Broncos. Think- yeah, I mean the Broncos did you know did manage to beat the Warriors and they might just put in some bit of a show in the last couple of matches. You never know. I hmm. still think that's a question mark, but I think in all likelihood, the Knights got that one wrapped up, which leaves the coveted eighth spot. And would you believe it, there are uh, six teams (laughs) with a mathematical chance of making that final eighth spot. So the teams are, um, currently we've got the Sharks, the Titans, and the Raiders equal on 20 points. And then we've got the Warriors, Dragons, and Tigers equal on 18 points. I think it's fair to say, out of those teams, just judging, without looking at the games that are up ahead for them, judging by uh, the, the their ranking and their for and against, the Sharks and the Titans are probably uh, most favoured to get that 8th spot. They're on negative 32 and negative 46 for and against, respectively. Then we've yep. got a jump to the Raiders at negative 85, even though they're on equal points at 20 points. And then quite a way behind are the Warriors at negative 115, Dragons at negative 126, and West Tigers, unfortunately, negative (laughs) 162. So what that means is in the event that there's a logjam and there's equal number of points, um, those that have very, very poor for and against, I think you can almost draw a line through them. Let's work our way up, shall we? So let's look at, firstly, the Tigers going um, going up the ladder. Um, the Tigers are up against the Panthers and, and the then the Bulldogs. Now, <laughs> again, they're already one game behind the team that's coming in front of them, the teams that are in front of them, the current eighth spot. So I think it's fair to say, you know, what's the likelihood of the Tigers defeating the Panthers two weeks out from the finals with Ivan Cleary back, you know, I, I don't know. I know you're a Tigers fan, Tish, but I think you're, you're a bit of a realist as opposed to yeah. a deluded optimist. <laughs> um, I think that's a very, very unlikely position for them to win uh, that one. However, the Bulldogs, they could end up with, uh, look, things could go their way and the last game could end up being in their favour. So I'm willing to say that uh, based on what we've seen that the Tigers are probably – look, they may end up ninth. <laughs> You're used to that, aren't you? It's yeah, like the yeah. cover West Tigers' ninth position, the battle for ninth.
1: Well, well, I think they're going to be... Uh, can we say that they're kind of technically equal ninth right now? Um, because, like, you know, you got teams that are equal eighth, um, you know, in terms of, um, uh, you know, 22 points. Oh, sorry, uh, 20 points, and these guys are me on 20. So... Well, first thing I'll say um, is that if you actually look at these teams uh, from eighth down, um, they've had more than 13 losses, and, you know, if the teams that are on nine wins at the moment have an extra two wins, they'll have 11 wins for the season and 13 losses. So um, whichever team makes the top eight, they'll be the first team with a negative season. (laughs) Wow! To make the top eight, so um, so yeah, a lot of people are saying uh, I don't know if any of these teams deserve to even be there, and you could make a <laughs> place for it. So, so look, um, I think I think the West Tigers are gone. I I just think they're they they're they're gone. They're too inconsistent. I mean, yeah, this is a bit of a grudge game against the Panthers, but you know, it's a grudge match because it's a grudge match on both team, both sides. So I think the Panthers <laughs> are going to be really motivated to win as well. Um, so I don't see them overcoming that and i don't see them over and i see them winning against the bulldogs but i don't think it's going to be uh, Well, to be honest um it's one of those games where um you know the the, the tigers are known for being uh, streak breakers you know they broke the panthers streak uh, earlier in the season and uh they might be mm. they might they might lose to the bulldogs and um <laughs> you know, break the bulldogs' <laughs> losing streak as well. Like that's the type of club that it is. It's just what it is. So, so there you go. Like, um,
0: oh, yeah.
1: All right. So, so there you go. And then, uh, so the, the dragons are the next one above that, uh, who are on twenty two points. Um, I know this. I heard this the other day. Their uh, last five games, they've lost, I believe, and they haven't won a game since the barbecue.
0: Oh, really. Wow, there you go. No, they're they're on 18 points, not 22, just to be clear. I think you're looking at games played. Yeah, Um, yeah, so are you saying they haven't won a game since that ill-fated pool? uh, pool, Oh, wow. Wow. But look who they've got coming up, though. They've got the Cowboys, and then they've got the (laughs) Rabbitohs. Now... I think it's fair to say that the Rabbitohs... I, I think you're right that the Rabbitohs have this thing, especially with Wayne Bennett. He's going to rev them up. He's going to get them ready for finals. And that's that last game, I don't see the Rabbitohs, even though they probably won't be playing for much in terms of um, position-wise, I think they'll want to go into the finals on a massive winning note so that they can mm. uh, you know, be positive against the Panthers. So, look, Dragons, Cowboys... It's hard to tell, but I think the Cowboys did pretty well in that last uh, last round against. Uh, well, they well they played. Sorry, they played the Eels. They got they got beaten by the Eels, which were, you know, uh, admittedly due for a win. Um, so it's hard to tell. It's possible the Dragons could win both of these and. Um, but I think the Rabbitohs, it's very unlikely that they'll, sorry, they'll win one, but they, it's very unlikely that they'll win the second one against the Rabbitohs. Um So I would say I'm happy to draw a line through the Dragons as well because, again, all of these teams on 18 need to win both both matches to even be in with a chance, and I don't think either the Dragons or the Tigers have done that. So unless you disagree, no, uh, no. I, let's move I, I on to the... Yeah, I, I agree, yep, so yeah. All right, so Warriors is the next one. Look, the Warriors will play the Raiders this week. Uh so this is a team above them by one win on the ladder, and then they finish off the season against the Titans who is also just above them. So look, this is a true test. If they if they manage to win both of those matches, they they are very likely to, uh, to get that eighth spot because they would have dented both the Titans and the Raiders who are above them. Um, so mm. it's likely that they'll get close if they win both of their matches. But probability-wise, we're talking about two teams that are also Titans and uh, Raiders I'm talking about. Probably more, more favoured, I would say, to win both of those matches. I don't think the Warriors will be favourites in either of those matches. So... Again, on the balance of probabilities, I would say the Warriors needing to win both, um, better chance of winning both than the Dragons and Tigers have of winning their two games, but still too borderline, I would say. So I think question mark possibility, but unlikely. What do you think? Yeah. Well, it's
1: interesting. 9, 10, and 11, you could call it the um, History Channel Corridor, right? Um, you know, you got Titans <laughs> in there, Raiders in there, Warriors in there. Um, And just like true Warriors, the Warriors have got their destiny in their hands, right? They basically literally play the two teams above them to make it above there. But I don't think they'll all make it. I've already put a line across them for one reason and one reason only is that, like, I don't believe they themselves believe they could get there. Um, And the reason why I – and my evidence for that is that they let Roger Tovermaster go (laughs) early out of his contract. Thinking their season was over, so what was like? So, um, and he was arguably their best player. So it's kind of interesting. They've let Roger go, and all of a sudden um, things are starting to work for them. It's kind of crazy, right? So, um, yeah. But but I just think that that they they themselves probably didn't think that they would get to this position. And I think they'll just be happy. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I look. Don't get me wrong. I think they'd love to play the finals, but I kind of feel like they. Um, yeah, I, I think they're long shots. I, I just, I, I don't think they have enough belief in themselves to actually be able to do it. Um, what I will say is that they will get, they will test the Raiders and they will test the Titans, and they are going to be very tight matches. Because um, I don't think, uh, yeah. So, so the problem for them is going to be um, they're going to have to narrow down that differential, um, but they're going to play two teams who are just as motivated as them, which
0: I don't think is going to
1: work in their favor.
0: All right, so moving up the ladder, so Raiders, now they're on negative 85 differential but equal on points with Sharks and Titans who are currently, I, I would say, yeah, they are on equal eighth spot. So really, it's it's really now starting to be in their hands <laughs> yeah. uh, in terms of winning. So they, they're up against, we just said, they're up against the Warriors this weekend and then in the final match against the Roosters. Now, the Roosters, look, Considering the Roosters will have a lot to play for, possibly they'll still be in with a chance of winning uh, that fourth spot over Manly. I think this is a crunch match for the Roosters and I think they'll perform. So I'm looking to, again, Raiders would be favoured, I think, in the Warriors match, but not so much in the Roosters match. Although, you know, in the Ricky Stewart Cup, um, Mm. it's, it's possible that Ricky Stewart has a trick or two up his sleeve in the final match of the season. Um, and so you just never know, but I would say, uh, again, keep it in mind that all of these teams on eighth currently can afford to drop one match and still be in with a chance. So if possible, um, it is possible that the Raiders will get, uh, the Warriors, uh, the win against the Warriors this weekend, and then possibly lose against the Roosters and still be in with a the shot. They would have to absolutely flog the Warriors if they are to do something with their differential which is at least 40 points behind the Titans um, so again I put them at a more than reasonable chance of making that final eighth spot um, compared to sharks and Titans but um, but yeah it's still still possibly uh, you know slightly below the, the probability of either of the other two teams getting there what are your thoughts on the Raiders? Um, yeah look I think uh,
1: for uh, look I think it's gonna be tough for them um, because I don't see them again they they do have a bit of a, a points differential <laughs> um, you know compared against the sharks anyway there's like a bit of a 50 point gap there right so uh yes yeah, so I think that's uh, I think that's gonna be an issue they're gonna I think I think with all these teams they, they have to look at it like we've got to win the next two games to, to get there um, Yeah. And then that's the only way we're going to knock somebody else out. So this round, you you know probably um, you know I suppose either the Warriors or the Raiders are going to be knocked out, right? Like uh, I think well yeah the Warriors would definitely be knocked out if they lose this week, and I think um, and I think the same thing with like uh, yeah because the Titans play the Knights as well, right? So uh, <laughs> yeah, so they're all kind of in in that sort of uh, dilemma. Um, but I think the Raiders. Um, yeah, I, yeah I, I think the differential is going to hurt them. So I would say no. I'm, yeah, I'm going to say no. To, to say no.
0: <laughs> Fair enough. Uh, Titans. So the Titans have an interesting uh, matchup. They've got the Knights, who are just ahead of them on the ladder and probably safe in seventh position. Um, and then the final match they've got against the Warriors. So, again, you've got one team above them and one team just below them. Um I think the Titans, uh, given how uh, many points they took off Melbourne, um, are, and, and the fact that the, the Knights in the last match uh, were, um, you know, only just beat the 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 uh, the, wooden, the definite wooden spooners, the Bulldogs. Um, I'm not really filled with much hope that the Knights will uh, win this one. I mean, they've got not as much to play for, whereas the Titans have everything to play for. Mm. So I think judging by that, it's possible that we'll see a Titans uh, winning both of their matches. Um, uh but it really – and I think they've got a greater chance of winning the Warriors one. So if they can overcome the Knights this weekend, it, this Knights-Titans game will be a crucial, I think, determinant of whether the Titans are going to enter the finals uh, this year or not. So, Tish, what are your thoughts on that?
1: Yeah, look, I'll, I, I think they're going to go well. Um, I probably pick them to take the t- uh, top eight spot. Another fact you've got to think about is that the Titans are a Queensland team playing all the games now in Queensland, right? Um, uh, one at Gold Coast, Seabus, and the other one I think is at the Sunshine Coast. Um, but I still think they're going to be more favoured probably over the other teams they play, just the fact that they're Queensland teams, right, playing in Queensland. So um, I think that's going to go a, a, a big way uh, as well. They had a bit of a winning streak towards the end of last year. So I think uh, I think if, if that sort of is the pattern they're going to play this year, and they played well against Melbourne, I could see them doing it. And um, they're both, like, uh, I I wouldn't... um, They're not coming up against sort of the the top four in their last two games, right? So um, so I think that's the reason why they're probably going to make it over the others.
0: All right. And, look, is it worth talking about the Sharks? The Sharks are very, very interesting because they have probably the easiest of of the the remaining teams. They've got the Broncos this weekend. And, or actually, sorry, they don't. (laughs) They don't, I thought (laughs) they did. Then they've got the Storm. My apologies. So there is a chance that they will drop one and it likely will be the Storm one. Sharks and Broncos is interesting because, uh, again, if if the Titans drop one match and if the Sharks are, are likely to drop one match then it all boils down to really this weekend, Sharks and Broncos. Are the Broncos good enough to throw the spanner into the Sharks this uh, weekend and, and and absolutely destroy their chances of making that top eight spot? Um, then also the Knights and Titans this weekend obviously is a critical game as well. And then Warriors and Raiders. So really those three games this weekend are really critical to determining uh you know who's likely to to get that eighth spot um and and who has everything to play for next week so what are your thoughts there sharks uh, do you agree that they're going to drop one match um obviously you do because you're predicting the titans will get that eighth spot <laughs> so there you go
1: yeah yeah i think um, so. look, look the um i know people t- um i did read a report that melbourne might potentially rest 10 players against the sharks um so that could be uh that could be troublesome. Um, uh, but I think that the, the the issue that I have with the Sharks a little bit is that I do believe they're quite wounded. Like, I don't know where Sean Johnson is. Um, he's not even named in the 25, like, team at the moment. So, or the 20 players that, that they sort of got to pick every week. Um, so, so I think he's obviously out with, with an injury. Obviously, what happened to Andrew Fafita a few weeks ago, um you know, so so there and like you know, looking at their bench, it it is a bit of a mismatch. Um, in fact, uh, like Matt Moylan, he's sort of coming back, I suppose. So I, I kind of feel like they're a bit too wounded at the moment to to um, and yeah. And it's a very winnable game for Brisbane based on how they've been playing, right? So so that's probably that's yes. Yeah, so I don't think the Brisbane game is necessarily a, a win for them. And I and I also think that obviously with Melbourne. You know, the interesting thing about Melbourne is that even despite the plays they seem to be able to rest, I don't know something about the way they play, they seem that they're, they're still able to do that. I don't think it's going to be as many as 10 because, like, uh, I mean, how many players do they have in their bubble up there? Can they actually afford to rest 10 players? I don't, I don't think they can, right? So, mm. um, yeah, so, 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 yeah so, so I don't think the Sharks will make it. Um, you know, I say that, but then the other thing comes into my mind is that. Every year, somehow, the Sharks seem to be able to scrape in at eighth. Uh, <laughs> that's right. Like, they did it last year. They did it the year before, right? Um, and they had John Morris' as coach, which nobody liked. <laughs> <Right>? <laughs> you know, like, and, and, look, I like John Morris. He's just sort of saying, like, uh, like that was the rumours about why he got sacked because, like, nobody actually liked him at the club, right, which is kind of the weirdest thing ever. So, um, but, yeah, like, so, so that's why I think the Sharks um, – yeah, it would be fun to see them in, but yeah, like I, uh, I'm more interested about the Titans and all the Raiders coming in at ace because, really, if you look at their roster, they they can do a bit of damage in the top eight. I don't think the Sharks can, so that's why I'm kind of um, more sort of wanting to see uh, wanting to see one of those two teams make it, um, and I think the
0: Titans will. All right. Look, I think that wraps up the top eight uh, discussion. So I think it's fair to say that we have we are predicting, look, it's going to be a tight tussle, but most likely we're thinking the, Ra- uh, the Titans might get there. I think personally the Raiders will get close as well. But yeah, I tend to agree. I think uh, judging by what we've seen, I think the Titans are most likely to get that eighth spot. So, but look, let's not forget, Uh, we are not necessarily the best at predicting games. So (laughs) let's see see what happens. In fact, we're just going to talk about that now. So here we are, round... Sorry, tackle number six, the round 24 tips. Here we go. All right. So after 23 rounds and a few other games here and there... uh, I am on a total of 116. I got five last week, correct? You also got five and you're on 109. And look, we just spoke about some of these games and give our opinion, but now it's time to actually lock us down to a tip. So, Tish, Knights versus Titans. Um, I am tipping the Titans.
1: Yep, I'm tipping the Titans as
0: well. Warriors versus Raiders. I'm going to tip a bit of an upset here. I did say that the Raiders are probably entitled to be favourites, but I think the Warriors will win this one. I think they've got a glimpse of uh, of, of what what they might be able to get, so I think they're going to they're more they're going to be more motivated. So I think the Warriors for mine.
1: I'm going to go the Raiders.
0: Roosters and Rabbitos, uh, traditional rivals. I think the Rabbitos will win this one.
1: Yeah, I'm going to tip the Rabbitos as well.
0: The Dragons versus the Cowboys. Uh, I'm going to stick with uh, the post barbecue Blues, and the Cowboys are going to win this one. Yeah, I'm going to tip the Dragons. Interesting. Sharks versus Broncos. Now, this is another one that could uh, spell doom for the Sharks if they lose this one, but I think they will win this one. Uh, I don't think the Broncos have it uh, over them, so Sharks for mine. Hmm. Yeah, let me tip the Sharks. Storm versus Eels. I am going to tip the upset of the season. that will throw (laughs) the top eight into disarray. I believe the Eels will win this game against the Storm. Yeah, I uh, don't believe that. So I'm going to tip the Storm. (laughs) (laughs) To be be honest, I don't believe it either. I'm just putting it there. Let's just see what happens. Um, Manly versus the Bulldogs. Uh, Oh, look, I'm tipping Manly for this one.
1: Yeah, look, I'm going to tip Manly as well. (laughs) Well, um, (laughs) so the Kieran Foran Cup, right? Or the Des Hasler, actually. The Des
0: Hasler Cup, yeah. Yep. And finally, the battle of the big cats, the Panthers versus the Tigers. I'm tipping the Panthers, unfortunately, Tish.
1: Well, just as the Tigers' season is about to end, mine is too, so I'm going to tip the Panthers.
0: Oh,
1: Uh, okay. I I need to catch up somehow on these tipping, and I I can't drop just... Being loyal
0: to the Tigers all the time, so yeah, fair enough. <laughs> That's fair enough. All right, well that that ends our uh, six tackles for today. Thank you very much. It's been an epic discussion, epic, epic discussion, and uh, yeah, we look forward to the top eight. Uh, well, the games on the weekend. Hope you we, hope you all enjoy it, and we look forward to discussing it in more depth next week as we reach the final, the the final round before the finals. Tish. Uh, Look, before we go, let's just uh, remind viewers that uh, we're also on Spotify. We're not only on iTunes and uh, Twitter and Facebook, etc. We are on Spotify as well, so you can download our podcast there, listen to us there. Uh, yeah, absolutely. So, Tish, over to you to wrap this one up. Thank you, Dr. T. I'd like to
1: thank everybody for listening, but that's all the time that we have for this edition of the Rugby League Republic. We're your hosts, Tish and Dr. T. Join us next time on the Rugby League Republic. Bye for now.